0: Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about balancing our identities as helpers with the systems that all of us live within. This week, we read Compromising Care, an Occupational Hazard for Counseling Leaders, published in Counseling Today 2022. Heather, the points made in this article, I think we had lots of ideas about, starting with compromising our identities.
1: Yeah, I think as counselors, we get in positions sometimes where maybe we're going beyond our scope because we're so used to doing something for the betterment of what we think either our client or the clinic we work for or the establishment that we can kind of lose sight of how to be most effective, Mm. how to be most helpful.
0: Mm -hmm. I think sometimes that's that could be where we work. I feel like this week with school starting, I've talked to a lot of parents. And a lot of the parents of the kids that I'm seeing have agendas for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, they come right? in with like a plan, yeah. like here, you need to fix this.
0: Right. You've got three weeks. So exactly. jump on. Right. Or I need you to tell them this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's compromising my identity Absolutely. as a counselor. That, yeah. No, that's not how that works. I had um, actually had a probation officer talk to me this week and tell me what counseling we were going to do oh, the, in the really? following session. Right. <laughs> and I went. Oh, have you ever been in counseling before? And mm-hmm. talked to right. that person about. Maybe that's not uh, how it works. <laughs> not really how it works. So I do think, and and I guess in a way, I live within that system, or I live it next door, right, to that system, right. the probation mm-hmm. system. So yeah, sometimes our 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 identities are asked to be compromised. Mm-hmm. What do you do in those situations? If someone, a client, a parent, or maybe somebody else as somehow asking you to compromise your identity, what happens for you?
1: I mean, I think for a moment, I just take a pause and figure out like, okay, what's the true agenda here? Like, how much correction do I need to make of this? Is this something that I can just like, a parent tells me what they want me to do with their teenager and I can go, okay, yeah, sure. And not really follow up on it. Mm -hmm. Or is it like, I need to make the correction because it's valuable enough for either my client or the purposes of therapy or whatever Mm -hmm. to say, actually, hold off on your comments and I'll talk to your teenager first and then we'll reassess. Or, you know, like I kind of try to balance well where is that need the most important. That's a good point. I
0: feel like I do that too. I have sometimes families or parents that are asking for EMDR and within the phases of EMDR, the phase that most people know about, which is the tapping or Mm -hmm. bilateral movements Mm -hmm. is only one phase. Right. (laughs) So what, what, that's what they're expecting though, right. or that's what they think they're asking mm-hmm. for. So if I'm working on a different phase, I might sometimes get a comment or feedback. Well, when you start EMDR.
1: Right. And you're like, Oh, oh, you didn't know. But
0: I do think <laughs> right. like you, some, you know, some of those comments I might kind of let go and continue mm-hmm. in the process that I know. Other times, maybe a parent has said it to me a couple of times in a row, like a right. couple of weeks in a row, like, well, you know, we'll wait till you start EMDR. Mm-hmm. And then I will. You know, it's come mm-hmm. up more than once. And so then I may right. directly address. Actually, we're working at this phase. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't always use do all the phases, just one, two, three, four. Right. Straight through. You sometimes one, two, three, two. Mm-hmm. It goes back. You know, so I might give them a little more information to help them with that. But you're right. Sometimes I just let it go.
1: Right. Sometimes it's easier. Mm-hmm. Or more valuable because it's just creating more conflict.
0: I think maybe I do that. I pick my battles based on who I have a relationship with. Oh, I would agree with that. I actually think that's very yeah. fair. Yeah. Like the client. i would probably address it with the client more quickly. Right. I want them to know what we're doing and trust me in the process. Uh-huh. And so I'll address it pretty directly. But if it's like, I don't know, somebody's standing in line next to me at the grocery store and they just say something really goofy about right. counseling. I'll mean, probably let it go. Yeah,
1: that happens a lot for it me. It does yeah. a lot in my circle of kids at different ages, at different schools, at whatever. People mm-hmm. make a lot of assumptions about what counseling is, or about mm-hmm. what. Oh well, go ask Heather. She's a counselor. Like I have this like unspoken <laughs> knowledge of something. I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> It's not but they're somehow magical. Right. You're right. I'll usually correct the people that I know or the people mm-hmm. or, or or I use it as a teaching tool and I'll be like, actually, that's kind of like for a social worker. And if you call mm-hmm. this place, they'll have the best, you know, yeah. insight for you on that. I mean, I usually at least have a referral in my head. But- yeah. <laughs> the next point, Heather,
0: in the article was compromising for different roles. Mm-hmm. So counselors are sometimes asked to compromise for a role. Right. Something I love about being a counselor is that there are so many roles that we can play.
1: Well, it helps avoid being burnt out or mm-hmm. being um, when you need to mix something up or learn something new, mm-hmm. but all different ways.
0: So this is a strength. Well, both of us think that this is a strength of being a counselor. When does it become difficult to balance our how we see ourselves as helpers and then maybe the expectations of these different roles?
1: Maybe. Or maybe when a role that's not your maybe it's not permanent. Maybe you're doing a presentation for something. Mm -hmm. And maybe that presentation, you thought you had it down. And then as you get in the depths of it, it's going to take a lot more time and effort than you realize. Or maybe now all of a sudden five people want that presentation. You Mm -hmm. know, it all of a sudden becomes a bigger monster. For Mm -hmm. me, it's always a time thing because I'm very, very aware of my time. So that's a big thing that I feel like I have to be careful of not compromising to jump too far into like
0: presenter yeah, but, mode well and then do you lose yourself as a helper if you're in presenter mode
1: sometimes if it's taking up too much time or i can also kind of flip the script and say well i'm helping more people i'm reaching right i think that, that, you know. yeah
0: that's how i think about it i think what if um maybe like thinking about a presentation um you've been asked to give a presentation and then they want you to present on medication right and something you're like, like that and you're like uh, i don't really do that Mm-hmm. So, no. Right.
1: That doesn't really fit or Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have.
0: But maybe some people would have a hard time saying no.
1: Right. And I think that is a pitfall, especially for any of our supervisees. As they're kind of Mm -hmm. getting out into the world, they want to say yes to all the things. Mm -hmm. And people probably expect them to know. Mm -hmm. Because, hey, aren't you becoming a counselor? Don't you know everything? Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, I also think this happens in most counseling settings or jobs, that when you're good at what you're doing, they you're offered promotion. Right. The promotion isn't always in a helping, well, in a directly helping role. So what if you've gone from a counselor to maybe a lead counselor that supports newer Mm -hmm. counselors? And then from there they offer you maybe like the clinic director job. Right. And as a clinic director, do you see yourself in the same way as you did when you were a counselor? Do you feel like you can do all of the same things? Or do you feel like you have to give up some of the tasks? Or So in those kinds of situations, I know you've done that before. Did you see yourself differently as a helper? Did other people see you differently?
1: I think definitely other people in my like family and things like Mm. that definitely saw me differently. Like, oh, why are you giving up counseling? Oh well, oh, well like, I'm not. I didn't know it was <laughs> right. I didn't know I'm really not. But then I think also like it can go in the other way as well, where it's like you're you have to like give something. You can't still see a caseload of 25 clients and mm-hmm. do the other parts of the behind the scenes clinical work.
0: Mm-hmm. I see how you. Many people could lose sight of themselves being a helper if the thing that they're doing is like. I don't know, coordinating building maintenance. Right.
1: I call like it the that. back end, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the other stuff. The right. stuff that has to happen. <laughs> but
0: but I think you could do that with the same kind of heart and the same intent as helping. Yes. That so with my task today is that I'm gonna make sure we're ready for, I don't know a national holiday where the rest of the bank or the rest of the building's going to be closed cuz mm-hmm. it's a bank holiday and but we're going to be open. I'm going to make sure everybody has access to the building when they need it. Right. That that might feel like well this is an administrative task. But, but I think if you have I think if you have the right attitude about it it's about making sure people have access right. to
1: and all those they need. right exactly mm-hmm. they needed to get in and help their people. Mm-hmm. So, but I think you can lose sight of that,
0: and then it becomes about having the biggest keychain, right?
1: Something like that. <laughs> right. Like <It> does.
0: <laughs> you have the person with the giant keychain mm-hmm. on their pants. Mm-hmm. Can you think of other things, different roles, where it feels like we're being asked to compromise?
1: I'm thinking maybe of situations where. You're asked in a, and this we hadn't talked about ahead of time, but um, kind of came to my head of like, okay, you're asked maybe at a clinic or some a different place, or maybe even in your private practice, clients that maybe can't afford things, can't come in. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're not that we don't all have clients that would need to be on a sliding scale or something different, but like you're compromising a little bit of your role of like, okay, well, where does that fit in my practice? Like, where do these other people that still need help, right? Mm. Do we have the resources to send them where they need? I mean, I feel like it's very important as a counselor to have mm. really good referral sources for the clients that call you for an appointment, but you can't see them or you don't accept mm. their insurance or yeah. you don't. I can't tell you how many people I've helped navigate their own insurance website. Yeah. Sometimes like, sad.
0: It's really sad. I do think that. And, uh, but I still see that. I, I think, think some people, right. I think some people would really feel like, no, that's not what counselors do. Or maybe, I don't know, if I have to make phone calls to insurance companies, I can get really angry. You're like, come on, can we just get on the phone and get this over with? It's not (laughs) my favorite thing to do. But I do think that it's a big, important part of what we can do.
1: You just have to learn to do it, right? Like, I think the first few times that I had to reach out to get other resources or deal with an insurance company, I was like, Mm -hmm. this cannot be like so hard. I want to just help people. Yeah. But after you kind of get down what you, you know, just push seven and get to the right person. Yes. <laughs> then, you're, then it's um, all
0: the better. Hmm, that makes me think, I'm going to have the heart of a helper the next time I have to talk to right. an insurance company <laughs> right. and I am going to be kinder to that right. person. Often. Um, I think, wait, I mean, we're talking about the money side of things, which mm-hmm. is kind of the next thing that we're going to step into. But I think that can be tricky too, as a counselor, how we see ourselves in the relationship that counselors have with money. But I think that it's, a personal decision and and it's then it's personal how each person gets to the decision, how they navigate their relationship with the business side of
1: things. Yes. And I think that is, you can be really great at it and you can be really bad at it. And there are people that are just more skilled to do it. I'm in a practice, although it's my private practice, I share suite with four other people and we all have kind of a role to play within how we handle our practice, which is helpful. But in doing so, it's how like one of us can raise rates and the other one may not, and one of us may decide to do more training on some specific thing, and one of us may not and so mm-hmm. a little bit of it is on like how do you navigate those steps in well, my partner next door to me just raised her rates by twenty dollars a patient. Mm-hmm. Should I be raising my rate like you know
0: yeah so and that is the a system that some people live in, yeah um what have we talked a little bit about related to the business end of being a counselor, that some counsel young counselors, when they mm-hmm. maybe even before you might call them a counselor when they've just started school, have an idea of what it means to be a counselor. They start out and they think maybe some of them think they're not ever going to make very much money. Or they picture what being a counselor looks like day to day. And I was kind of teasing or joking and saying I've had students that envision some version of Frazier Crane, right? <laughs> and that's what they thought a counselor mm-hmm. was like. And so sometimes our identities shift or adjust. Right. Because we see what it really what the reality of right. it really is. But then sometimes also the systems that we live in might shift or adjust that. also.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So our last point in the article, compromising values or we added our value because Mm -hmm. we were talking about making money in the business side of being a counselor. So how are there times where, when are there times when we are asked to compromise our values and maybe that also sometimes
1: affects our value? Right. I think in looking at people have different ideas about what counselors do or how they, how they operate, right? Mm-hmm. So do we sit in a room all day and listen to people talk? Well, I mean, yes, that's part of our job, but that doesn't mean that we have any like value system set up around it. Most people that go into helping professions are going into it because there is something about it that benefits them as well. When you search out people that become nurses, doctors, counselors, pastors, all those kind of things, they're in a helping role and they have value for themselves in that role. Like they have probably always have been a helper. They've probably always been on that Mm -hmm. end of things. When you get into the work and you start doing the work, even at the very beginning, you may not realize that, oh, private practice sounds lovely. It's a lot of work behind the scenes that you're going to be doing on your own. You might be compromising what you think is like your dream job. Yeah. Do you think
0: those, I think that sounds like the roles that we play are the roles that we can play.
1: Mm-hmm. Do I, think, you think, I think they kind of mesh. Yeah. yeah.
0: How? Where do our values interact with the decision to be in private practice? I think they do. I don't know how to define it. Hmm.
1: I think they do. I think, well, if we look at things from maybe a different perspective of like maybe ethics and mm-hmm. morals. Mm-hmm. And so if you know a client coming in with a presenting issue and you're like, oh, they need this like specialist or, oh, I can't, I'm not, I know that I have too many things in my background, so I'm not going to work with a client with Mm -hmm. this. I think that is something where we have to make the decision because if you were to see them, you'd be compromising something for yourself. Okay, You know, like, yeah, you'd be hurting yourself in the process.
0: Something that's changing for us in our state right now. They've changed so many things. It's been a and landslide. I, I did feel like to me, mm-hmm. I feel like those changes for different reasons made sense to the people making the changes, but they have the potential to affect our value system. Absolutely. And then a lot of the chatter around it <laughs> is that people feel like it affects their value. Right. Their money. Mm-hmm. But maybe an example could be you and I have talked about and not until recently could LPCs start a private practice right out of school. Oh that's, yeah. That's, that's been true for right. LMFTs for a long time. Right. And people have strong opinions about that. Mm-hmm. And they felt like they were compromising their values. Right. Whereas the students who were just leaving school, they definitely felt like it compromised their value. Yep. Because their ability to make money or their potential to make money. Right was decreased by not being allowed to start a private practice right away. So there's, you know, different sides of that. So I think a lot of those kinds of changes for us have affected, maybe the fact how we feel our values are affected.
1: I definitely think can that's you,
0: true. Can you think of any others that maybe some changes that have recently happened that I
1: feel like, I don't want to go too political, but I feel like some of the things that they've asked counselors lately to do gets tied up in what you would think is the right decision, like what your own personal values would tell you is the right What
0: thing. if, um, now there's not a law like this in Texas, but there is a law like similar to this in a couple other states in the United States, that if the client is someone that, and I'm paraphrasing so these aren't the exact right. words, if a client is someone that lives a lifestyle that you disagree with based on your values, that you have the ability to turn them away as a client. Mm-hmm. And There are some people who think that that is unethical to turn away a client. Right. And I think that some people, even if we're not thinking about a specific lifestyle choice, but maybe it fits their values that I can't be the best counselor for you if I have a strong opinion about something that you're doing. Right. Right. So, in that way, the systems that we're involved in, the laws that Mm -hmm. affect how we practice, then affect how our values play out yeah how they play out in the in the workforce like in Mm -hmm. your choice and so some people might feel like they're compromising their values based on those laws or based on the expectations you know i think i gave the example already all right i described Mm -hmm. the full thought process that you could argue or you could explain well am i really going to be that effective with somebody who i have i can't see from their perspective so now i'm not effective with them
1: right I can understand that. That's a great example, actually, of both sides of the mm-hmm. coin.
0: Do you think those things compromise our potential to make money?
1: Maybe. I and mean, I don't know. That's a- Before we started, the
0: example that we came up with was insurance. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I think then that does have the potential to affect our values and right. our potential to make money. That maybe an example of the way insurance affects us is that they determine a specific billing code uh-huh. that can be used. And so someone someone might say, well, that's, you know, limiting me and compromising my values. And so I can't do do what I want to do in (laughs) counseling or that if I'm limited to the billing code that I can use, then you're limiting how much money I can make.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that is a. I guess I can see how some people would see it that way. Mm -hmm. They're limiting what they could. But you also then have the choice. If you only don't, if you don't want to take insurance and you have the choice not to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's like if your idea of it is that the insurance companies are these bad, mm-hmm. like bad ogre people that are stealing money, then yeah. then don't take insurance, you know, yeah. like, but if your views of it is like, OK, well, this is a, a the best we can do right now to get services for everybody that needs it where they don't have to pay out of pocket.
0: Mm-hmm. I think partly or something that we talked about was that insurance companies do have accountability they create accountability, but they are not providing so much oversight that you still within your sessions aren't able to be the type of helper right that you are right. that, that you are effective as so, so so an insurance company might tell you this is the billing code you can use, but they're certainly not telling you what you can. What kind of therapy to use? Oh, yeah.
1: they're, they're not saying you can only use CBT if you use this billing. There's something like that.
0: Right. I mean, so they're saying, I mean, it's much more general than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That uh, the, a billing code might mean you're doing individual therapy for an hour. Right. Versus individual therapy for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the reason that insurance companies care about
1: that is the money. Right. They determine. But that shouldn't billing. really determine what how you are as a counselor. It shouldn't mm-hmm. really affect. You being a helper. Right. Right. And if you if the insurance company is only going to cover, say, 30 minutes a week and you know that this client needs more than that, then you can always advocate for your client. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had plenty of experience where I've had to say, like, actually, this client, this this really Uh doesn't need to be. So you're saying maybe you could look at them like a set of rules, but
0: they don't have to be a set of rules. They could be a set of guidelines. Right.
1: Like this is what they're expecting, but they're not in session with the client. You can just. you know, And
0: that. There's still room to advocate Uh or request things from the insurance company that might not be their standard, but it doesn't mean that they couldn't do it. Right. So, oh, I think that's like a happy note to end Ah, on. Okay. That, um, (laughs) That it does feel like that to us sometimes that our identities are compromised and it does feel like we are kind of committed or stuck in these right. sympt- in these systems that we live in, but that we just said, sometimes those systems are more flexible than we think they are. Right. That there's a little more room to grow or bend or wiggle, and sometimes all you have to do is ask. Yep. Very true. Yeah. Thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.